We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, joined by Ryan Roberts, our director of recruiting. And today, Ryan, we're actually not going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk some team stuff. So we've we've talked a lot of recruiting, and, and I miss talking a lot about the team. And we're going to we're going to start doing a lot more of that here moving forward. But what I want to talk about today is Notre Dame's freshman class. So kind of that. You know, we've been talking about recruiting, and now we're going to slowly transition into the team stuff, but we're going to do so by talking about the incoming recruits, the guys who have not played any games yet for Notre Dame. Because the the reason is, Ryan, you know, freshmen haven't really been a big part of what Notre Dame has has done in past seasons. You know, there's been some kids along the way. You know, obviously, Stephon Tuitt, you know, and Aaron Lynch had an impact in 2011. We saw T.J. Jones was a, a four-year starter at Notre Dame. We've seen some guys, Robert Haynes, he's come in and done some things. Last year, some guys stepped in either as a rotation when you look at Tyler Buckner or injuries opened up opportunities later in the year for Logan Diggs and in uh, Lorenzo Styles. Michael Mayer had an impact as a freshman. Chris Tyree had a somewhat of an impact as a freshman when he was allowed to. So we've seen it, but we haven't seen it as much as, in my opinion, it should have been for two reasons. One, recruiting wasn't always where it needed to be. And number two, Freshmen weren't often given the opportunities to go out and play. And I think this is going to, this is one of those years where it's going to be almost impossible to keep the freshmen off the field for two reasons. Number one, it's a really good freshman class. Now we're talking about a group prime last year that was ranked number six overall by rivals, number six overall by 247 sports, not the composite, but their ranking. You know, it's a class that adds, you know, it came up short in some numbers in some places, but it added a lot of really good players. And this is, in my opinion, the best recruiting class that Notre Dame has had really since 2013, I would argue, right? I think it's the best class they've had top to bottom since 2013. And so uh, it's a talented class. And number two, there's some positions where they have to, they, they're going to really need the freshmen to play. And that's not always an ideal scenario, but it's fortunately – you look at receiver, for example, which we'll get to soon. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, they have to, they need a guy to play, but it's a really good player. 
So it, it certainly benefits. But I really expect this freshman class, Ryan, to, to make its presence felt immediately at Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I think, and like you said, there's going to be some spots that are more of a necessity. But I, I think when you see, Brian, just the Alabamas, the Georges, they always have freshmen who sneakily play a decent amount of snaps. You know, I, I feel like there's this there's this opinion that's thrown out there sometimes where that freshmen should not come in and contribute on a good football team. But that's not the case, right? Like if you yeah. look back to Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith and – so many good football players. Clemson's like, 2018 team. <laughs> right. Trevor a couple Lawrence, decent yeah, freshmen. That's, that's Trevor perfect. Lawrence, Justin Ross. Exactly. You know, they yeah. they had a guy. I forget who. They had a guy on defense that year that played as well. I can't remember who which guy it was. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's always – I mean, 2017, Alabama – you're talking about Alabama, Ryan. You know, yep. you're talking about Jerry Judy. What, what was the play that won Bama the title and who threw it to who and what grade were they in? Let's, let's have a history that lesson. Was, that was Tua to Devonta Smith in the end zone for six. And they were what? True freshmen. There you go. Right. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yep. Imagine that. Hey, if you're recruited at a high level, a lot sometimes there's going to be right. guys that come in and can play right away. And I think that you're getting that instance. I know you mentioned the wide receiver that we'll talk about here shortly, but there are guys that I think are ready to play, and there's guys that are going to be forced maybe into playing as more than maybe they should early on. But either way. I think this signifies that Notre Dame is recruiting at a very high level. Last year, number six overall, like you said, in, in a couple different publications, number one right now by basically every platform in the 2023 cycle. Notre Dame's recruiting at a high yeah. level, and when you recruit at a high level, you need to use your assets, yeah. like use right. it. I mean, there's some players that you're going to recruit when you're recruiting at this type of level that are not going to be four- or five-year players. They're just no. not going to be. So no. we need to utilize our talents while we can. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, because that, that's the reason they basically wasted a year of Kyron Williams in 2019. I mean, uh, this is truth. This is a true story, but... Uh, Chip Long wanted to play Kyron Williams in 2019. Brian Kelly said, no, we're going to redshirt him, right? That's why when they went into the Georgia game, they had two healthy running backs. It was basically uh, Tony Jones and 
Kyron Williams. And they chose not to play Kyron because they wanted to have him play four games and that wasn't going to be a game they're going to play. So he was a three-year guy. And because again, if a running back is a five-year guy, he's probably not a guy you want back for a fifth year because you know there's either been injuries or he's not that good. So play these guys, right? If Tobias Merriweather is as good as I think he can be, and, and I'll let you speak to this here in a little bit, Ryan, then he's not going to be a five-year player. You just hope you, you may not even have him for four. So play him. You know, and that was what was interesting last year. You know, there was one freshman last year that was that I remember being a part of the rotation from day one. Like Blake Fisher was it. Like that was the only freshman got a shot. Well, then he goes down and it eventually leads to two other injuries, which then leads to Joe Walt, who played pretty well. You know, they didn't play Lorenzo Styles much early. And then all of a sudden you have an injury to Joe Wilkins, then an injury to Avery Davis, and all of a sudden Lorenzo Styles gets a chance in the Fiesta Bowl that he would not have had if it wasn't for injuries. Look, Lorenzo Styles doesn't have eight catches for 136 yards in the Fiesta Bowl if it's not for injuries. And it would have been, well, he's not ready and, you know, he's got to learn and all that kind of stuff. Logan Diggs just miraculously gets thrust onto the field because of injuries. And guess what? He plays well, right? And, and of course, well, I shouldn't say that. Tyler Buckner was the other freshman who was a part of the rotation. He played it right away as well. But but that's that was it. So, yeah, you're right. When you, when you recruit the way that Notre Dame did in this past cycle, again, came up short on numbers, but the impact players that Coach Reese was able to really try for, you're going to be able to have guys to be successful. Defensively, same deal. I mean, this is the best defensive class Notre Dame has had a long time. And Marcus Freeman and the staff did a great job of bringing in some guys that are really good football players, but guys that can help you right away. And so you find roles for them. And that's going to be the interesting thing. And that's what we're going to kind of discuss in today's show is, you know, what are the opportunities? What are the expectations? What are the potential roles that could be there for the for the, this freshman class? And I think there's one exception. Uh, line play is one spot where I think you still look to redshirt guys because you that's the one position that the NFL doesn't necessarily devalue experience and age. I mean, we've talked about sure. that before, O-line and D-line, but especially O-line. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would expect all those guys to redshirt on the, on the offensive line. Defensive line, I would expect Donovan Heinis to redshirt. I, I could see Aiden Gobira, you know, redshirting this year, playing four games of redshirting, and the Tyson Ford to me, we'll, we'll see how healthy he is. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting because, like you said, Ryan, this is a, a group that has a – there's a lot of talent in this group, and that's what we're going to dive into. Before we do, I, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you all gave super chats, I uh, need to bring them up. I appreciate this. Tommy Guns. Uh, with a super chat, really appreciate that, Tommy. Uh, IB Nation and a very, very big happy birthday. Shout out to our guy, Brian, you the man, coach, 38, ain't never looked so slick. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, let's roll with that. Let's go with 38. That sounds good to me. Uh, sounds good. Ryan Ryan asked me if I was 35 earlier, so I was like, uh, note to self, pay raise for Ryan this month. Uh, bonus check for Ryan. Randy Hernandez, uh, happy birthday. Thank you for the super chat, Randy, very, very much. Happy birthday, Brian. Thanks for all you do. So, uh, got a lot of happy birthday wishes in there. Brandon, Toe Jam, everybody. I appreciate y'all very, very much. But I know y'all didn't come here to have a her- happy birthday fest. So y'all came in here because we we're going to talk Notre Dame football. And that's what we're going to do. So, Ryan, I want to begin by talking about, you know, we're going to get to the guy, you know, a guy that's been already on campus. But I want to talk about a guy that I think, to me, I'm most not just excited about, but curious about. And that is wide receiver Tobias Merriweather. So let's kind of lay out the situation that Tobias is going to walk into. Number one, you've got a, a, an already thin depth chart, right? You've got, what, seven scholarship receivers, one of which is a walk-on, correct? And then you have a situation um, – <laughs> I just saw that what you just made that face about. Um, 
I just, you you walk into a situation where you're thin on numbers, and not only are they thin on numbers, Ryan, but they're thin on the type of player that Tobias Merriweather is. So it's really a perfect situation for Notre Dame in that, yes, they should have landed more players, but the guy that they did land is an extremely talented player who's walking in a great situation. I don't I don't know if you ranked the freshman class because this was before you – they all signed before you joined. But right. Tobias was my number one player in the class. Not just number one offensive player, but number one overall player in the class. I think this is a kid – that I've kind of said is a to, to me a T Higgins game like just his game screams T Higgins. I would say in some ways he's a little better than T. T was a little better than him maybe in a couple areas, but I think he's definitely a more advanced version of what T was coming out of college. And as we saw with T Higgins, he had a pretty good impact at, at Clemson as a freshman. So I think Tobias Merriweather walks in more than anything else for him. It's not an ideal situation for Notre Dame, but for Tobias Merriweather. He's walking into really a great situation where he is not only wanted, but needed to make an early impact. Yeah, I mean, and we, we could talk about for the role. I mean, just for the style for a second, right? Because, I mean, Tobias is what, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, somewhere in that six, ballpark. Four, yeah. he's, he's a long kid. And outside of Deion Colsey, who you're hoping takes a, a big step as a sophomore, you don't have a ton of size on this roster, right? Because you have guys that are – Avery Davis, who is, what, 5'10", 5'11". You have Brayden Lindsey, who's right around 5'11". Lorenzo Styles is like 6'1", but even he is obviously not a 6'4 skyscraper. Like, you just don't have those guys outside of a Deion Colsey. So, I mean, just outside of the simple fact that, like, we keep talking about the boundary receiver. I know you had a piece on the boundary receiver just in general, and I know Tobias could play the field. He could play the boundary. But right now you just have a lot of questions in what is typically – in the last few years, been a really important position in the passing attack for Notre Dame. So can Tobias Merriweather come in and be that guy that gives you a little size to the boundary, can play to the field maybe, move around a little bit? But the thing more than anything, that size is such an appealing thing to have at that position, not even just in the boundary, just in general, because you just don't have a ton of it on this roster at wide receiver right now. All all the other guys are 6'1 or shorter. Like they're long, like some of them have length to them, but none of them are 6'4". Like, none of them just have that natural size to them. So I, I think that they need to, you know, I, I think that Tobias brings an element that just is not there on the roster right now, and I think that's the biggest selling point for me is the fact that, like, if he is good enough to go, he's physically ready, and he can bring that layer to the offense, it's a perfect situation, for I think, for him to walk into. Well, if you just look at the roster right now of the returning players, there's one guy on the roster that's above six one and a half. And that, that as far as the returns, Deion Colsey. So to your point, there's not a lot of that size. And and to also build on your point, you talk about the importance of the boundary. And we've talked about this before, I believe. But, you know, in that article, I wrote that the 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 boundary receiver has led the team in receiving yards in five straight years. They've led the team in catches in three of the five years. And in another year, they tied for the team leading catches. This past year with Michael Mayer is the only year that they didn't. Javon McKinley and Michael Mayer tied for the team lead in 2020. And then they've either tied or led in touchdown receptions in like four to five years, right? So it's been a position where it's an important position. Now, are there things that Tommy Reese can do schematically and formationally and different areas to say, hey, we don't necessarily need that W to be that guy because we do have, you know, Avery and Braden and Lorenzo that can do all this stuff to the field. You have a Michael Mayer, you have the running back. Sure. And we saw that in the bowl game, right? We saw that ball being spread around all over the place in the bowl game. But it's still nice to have that. It's still a plus to have that kind of weapon in the boundary. And so 
with Tobias Merriweather, you talk about a guy, Ryan, that, that does bring those traits to the table. And, and here's the things I like. You talk about the size. That's obviously important. But when you watch his film, he's a pretty advanced player. He's a high IQ football player. You know, there's obviously going to be an adjustment period because an advanced player for high school is not necessarily an advanced player as a true freshman. So there's going to be some work involved, obviously. But when you look at, you know, when you look at Tobias, he's a guy that even like I, I, there was a tweet that was out from a game he played last year and he just makes this great move at the line to get free. And I'm like, he, he gets off the line better than anybody Notre Dame has on their roster. I mean, yeah, this is a better move than anyone on their roster can do. Now he's going to step into a situation with, I believe, good coaching. It's going to make that part better. You know, you watch him run routes. He knows, even though he he doesn't, he wasn't a high volume pass catcher in high school. Didn't have a quarterback. System was was what it was. Uh, only played a portion of a year in 2020 because of COVID stuff. So he doesn't have that that production that maybe jumps out, which is why I think some of the recruiting services didn't give him enough respect, like SI All American did. I think only SI All-American and one other service had him as a top 100 recruit, which to me is just nutty. Uh, But when I look at him, he's a guy that understands how to run routes. You see him stem guys up. You see him attacking leverage. You see him doing really good top ends. You see him breaking angles off correctly and things like that, attacking downhill out of outcuts. And it was a really advanced feel for the game. And so it's not like you've got some neophyte who just is athletic and freaky talented that doesn't know how to play the game. This kid knows how to play the game. And I think that's something else that should allow Tobias to make a smooth transition. And look, the reality is, is you need a shift in focus, right? And we've written about this. I wrote about this in the past at, at Irish Breakdown and, and then also other places I've worked. The reality is, is Ryan, is you have to, as a coaching staff, make an adjustment to say, look, to your to the point you made earlier, this is a kid that has talent and this is a kid that's not going to be here for five years. We have to make it a point of emphasis to get him ready to play. You know, Renzo Styles is ready to play, right? Chancey Stuckey and Tommy Reese need to sit down and say, listen, between the two of us, we have to figure out a way to get these two kids, Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather, ready to help us. Maybe neither one of them is ready to be the guy, but there should be a scenario in which between the two of them, you can get that sort of production from the W position that you need. And then there's some other things you can do where you put Michael Mayer there. Like, that's what I wrote in the article. You can move Michael Mayer there. You can put Lorenzo Styles there at times. But you can't do that all the time because if Michael Mayer is always there, it takes away from being able to move him around and use him in different matchups and things like that. You don't want to put Lorenzo Styles there all the time, Mm -hmm. but you can put him there some of the time. And then if those guys can step up and make plays. And so it's kind of like, you know, look, Dion doesn't have to be the guy. Device doesn't have to be the guy. Between the two of them, if they can give you 50 catches and – you know, eight, 900 yards, that that's, that's great. It doesn't, you know, it, it's the same production. It's just coming in a different, you know, breakdown of snaps. And so to me, I think Tobias Merriweather can do that. But I think the other thing too is I, I think Tobias can have an impact beyond just his ability, his height, his ball skills, his after the catch ability, which is often, uh, you know, not discussed enough when you talk about a six, four kid that can make people miss with the ball in his hands. He's got some of that Chase Claypool, T. Higgins in him in that regard. But it's also about if you're Deion Colsey, you've got a great opportunity here, but you're going to show up in the summer and then the fall, and you've got this kid who can almost look you in the eye, who's pretty fast, who's pretty talented too, kind of coming for your spot. Because what I've been told by sources is that Tobias will start in the boundary, although the 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 selling point has always been you're not you're going to move you around, but you got to start somewhere. I mean, you got to line up somewhere right. for your first rep. He's going to play the boundary. So 
if if Deion Colsey accepts that challenge, then it's going to make Deion Colsey better too. And so that's where Tobias could have an impact even beyond his production because if he shows up and that results in Deion really stepping up his game, even if Tobias only has 10 to 15 catches, you then can look at Dion and say, yeah, but his presence is why Dion had that breakout year type of situation. And so I think his presence, Ryan, doesn't is it goes beyond just what he can do. And I think that's important, very, very important. It's going to be a very, very important aspect of the impact that Dion Colsey or uh, Tobias Merriweather can have as a freshman. I think it's a great note on on Dion Colsey specifically there for a second, because you have talked a little bit about the fact that Dion is an incredibly talented player, but does he have that want to be great? I mean, you're going to kind of force it out of him, right? Because either that or he's going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit because Tobias Merriweather is that talented of a player. And to your point about Michael Mayer playing some into the boundary at the W, and I would I love the thought of moving him around, but I don't want him to get stuck in that spot because you have to. I want I want him to be playing that position sometimes because you can, not because you have to. There's a huge difference there. So I agree, and I think that we – see that there's due to the fact, and this is no shot. This really is not a shot. The wide receivers have not been developed properly over the last couple of years. Tobias is going to come into a situation where he is not behind the eight ball tremendously right. from a technical perspective. That's right. usually kind of the hang up. It's either you need to get bigger, stronger, or you're just not there from a technical perspective. He's going to walk into a room where he's on par technically. So at that point, if he's one of the more talented players and he's on par technically, you got to get him on the field. And then the, my, my last point that I wanted to make is another thing that you hit on. I think people need to temper expectations as far as we're not saying, at least I'm not saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm not saying that Tobias Merriweather needs to step in this year and be a 50 catch 900 yard receiver. Like that's unrealistic expectations in my opinion. Could, is he talented enough to do it? Sure. But what I'm saying is, is that impact as a freshman could just be a compartmentalized thing, departmentalized opportunity right because Deion Colsey is another talented player like you said and if they're splitting reps and they have production combined that offers you know what you typically get out of the boundary position then that's okay so I don't want people to just think this kid has to be a freshman all-american that's the only outcome no he can help you in 2022 by just being himself and giving you valuable reps he doesn't have to be the full volume getter but you should expect that Tobias Merriweather needs to be a guy that needs to come in and contribute in some capacity are you are you saying you're saying that he doesn't have to be that kind of guy? You're not saying he's not capable of it, right? Uh, yes, I, I'm okay. saying that his talent level is capable of it. What I'm saying is that it shouldn't have to be dependent that he has to do that. There's right. other right. players, and and oh, I think my biggest point is is that it can still be a very successful season, even yes. if he is a part time contributor. Correct. He has yes. reps, but he's not the full time rep getter. Right, yeah, because that that I agree with, where if you're demanding that he come in and beat the guy day one and we're just going to thrust him out there and, you know, here here you go. I, I don't know if that would be fair to him. You let him earn – now, if he earns that, that's fine. But I think he's capable of it. I just think, as, as you pointed out, I, I don't – it's going to be tough. You've got Joe Wilkins playing there. You may have some Jaden Thomas playing there. You may have – you know, obviously, Deion Colsey is going to play there. I just feel like he's got to be part of the rotation. He's got to be a guy that you can turn to and say, hey, look, we like this matchup. You know, Dion, we like this matchup, but against this guy, we like this matchup. Well, we're going to, you know, look, to me, if I'm if I'm a coach, I'm going to say, you know, if I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm going to sit down with, with Tom Reese and Chancey Stuck and say, hey, guys, look, here's the deal. 
and I, I believe coaches do need to do this, right? Not specifically, but like generally, like, look, we need to get, we need to make sure that, that Dion, that, that Tobias Merriweather is getting at least 10 to 15 snaps a game, right? Like early in the season, Ohio State, make sure he's got 10 snaps. Again, there comes a point in time where you got to sit down with the head coach and be like, look, the kid doesn't know the plays. And that that's fine. But that's the, that's the objective. That's the push. That's what I'm, that's what I'm coaching. That's what I'm telling you guys you need to do, right? You need to earn your paychecks and get this kid ready to go. Because I do think he can have an impact. There's no doubt about it. I think there's another position group that obviously we've already started to see an impact that is going to be very important. And part of it is because of an injury that has cropped up. Obviously, with Logan Diggs' shoulder injury, Jadarian Price was gonna he was gonna play in some form or fashion right away. But now with Logan Diggs having the torn labrum, we don't know how long he's gonna be out. You know, I've heard anywhere four to six months, I've heard six to eight months. Notre Dame didn't specify the length that he's going to be out, but my guess is going to be he's not going to be healthy for fall camp at least. And depending on the severity of the labrum tear, it could it could be into September. And then you're talking about a running back coming back from a shoulder injury. That's not exactly a uh, an easy thing to come back from, right? And so there's going to be an opportunity there for Logan Diggs to come into play, and they're going to need him to play. And he's going to, I mean, he's going to be hard to keep off the field. I mean, this is a kid, Ryan, that is. is like here, here, you know, he does, he, he provides you with a talent, but he also gives you protection. Cause it, it, here's what I wrote about in the article today at Irish breakdown. If Chris Tyree goes down, you've lost your, a home, you have no home run hitter. We saw that last year when Tyree was banged up, they had no home run hitters or running back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Kyron Williams could do it against North Carolina when he had to make three people miss in the backfield. That's a little bit, that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about that guy that can see the hole, hit the hole and just be gone. Right. And that, that wasn't Kyron's game. As good as Kyron was, that wasn't really his game. It's not Logan Diggs' game. It's not Audric Estime's game. You did not have that element once Chris Tyree got banged up. This year, if Chris Tyree's healthy, you have two home run hitters. If Chris Tyree goes down, you still have a home run hitter. And I think that's going to be super important when you have a guy like Tyler Buckner, quarterback. So, Jadarian Price, Ryan is is gonna he's gonna be a factor for Notre Dame this year. I, like I said, I would I would find a way to get him back. I mean, if like if Chris Tyree is my starting back, if we're like we're getting Chris Tyree ten plus catches or ten plus carries and at least three to five cu- catches a game, he's our starting running back. I'm putting Jadarian Price as my kick returner. That's sure. that's what I'm doing. Now, if Chris Tyree's not your number one back, then I'm probably leaving Chris Tyree back there. But and he may be my other running back, perhaps. You know, in case they want to kick the other way, but. This kid's got to get on the field. This kid needs touches because, as he showed in the spring game, if you give him any kind of crease, he's going to hit a home run. And it's not its not just the spring game, Ryan. We heard that all spring. You saw it with your own eyes when you were at practice. That kid's got some serious juice. Yeah. I mean, so Chris Tyree wasn't practicing the day that I got to see him, obviously, in the practice. Excuse me. But he, for me, was the most – Physical, well, not physically impressive. He was the he was the springiest, most explosive athlete at the running back position in the practice I saw. The kid had just says he moves a little differently than Logan Diggs, Audrey Estime, and the rest of the running backs that were there. And to your point, if you lose, God forbid, a Chris Tyree for an extended period of time, he does supplement some things that Chris Tyree does really well with that ability to hit some home runs and to create big plays. He definitely does that. But even if Chris doesn't go down, I, I think that I think that you're looking at a player that has forced his forced the hands to getting playing time. And whether that is a, a large portion because Logan Diggs is not 
able to, you know, challenge for a heavy playing time in fall because of the injury or or whatever, even if he is, I think Jadarian Price has to play because he is a dynamic weapon. I mean, there are things that you can do with him. And again, I, I always go back to people for whatever reason in the chat always talk about, you know, oh, why don't we use Chris Tyree in the slot? But that's not really his game, right? But I think that you can use a guy like a Jadarian Price in some passing situations where you can utilize his quickness and his elusiveness as a route runner and do some things departmentally just with him as a player. So I think that he's earned that right just based upon what spring. Obviously, he needs to pick it up in, in you know, the summer into the fall and then really you know, take that momentum and keep building off of it. But, I mean, the, the kid's just too athletic and too explosive of an athlete not to get some touches. Like, he has to have some type of role in this offense. I think another guy that, that if he's healthy, could provide a little bit of a spark this year, especially with the injury to Logan Diggs, is Jabron Payne. And the reason I say that is because is I think not only could he potentially have a shot at running back, and I, I'm actually hoping that Jabron Payne is able to, to maybe take a redshirt year. Yeah, He contradicts what I've said earlier because he has a unique situation in that he does have the injury history. Yeah, I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to him kind of having a scout team year where he can kind of get it, shake the rust off. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't carried the ball with any kind of consistency since his sophomore year of high school. He got hurt in the opener of his junior year. He only had like 60 touches last year, 60 catches last year. Excuse me. So I'd like to see him kind of be able to shake the rust off and still maybe keep in a year of eligibility because of the injury. But if if they have to play him, they have to play him. You know, like I said, it, it, it's fine. The reason I think he could potentially provide a spark if if he has to is not only does he bring potential as a quarterback, I mean, excuse me, as a running back, but if you have some issues at receiver, he's a kid that could could do some theoretic type stuff in the slot. Right. You know, with RPOs, quick game crossers, you know, screens, things along those lines. So. If you get into a pinch, he can help you at two spots. And and I think there's a lot of value in that for Jabron Payne. I hope it doesn't come to that. I actually am hoping for his sake that he's able to kind of take a year to, to be on scout team, shake off the rust, you know, kind of get that going. But if his number's called, I think Jabron Payne can help his football team. Because they're only going to call on him if he's healthy. Yeah. And, and you know, so he, he's a good football player. No, he is. I think the long term is more important with Jabron Payne than the short term because, like you said, he has had that string of injuries. I want to make sure that everything is good to go in that sense. But like you said, I think Jadarian Price can do some things in the passing game. I definitely think that people, that Jabron Payne can do some things in the passing game. I think he can supplement some some slot reps for you if the knee comes kind of up in, in a situation. But I, I don't really know what to expect from him, to be honest. Do I think that he can – contribute if needed yeah i do do i think that a departmentalized role for him early on would be good because mm-hmm. of the injury factors yes i also do but i just don't know what it's going to look like i really don't because i know we're talking about a lot of spec like not even speculation but a lot of different things you know what if this happens what if that happens but i i just i'm not 100 percent sure what we're getting with jabron yet i want to see if he's the same player that he has been that's fair times right because yeah. you can't just pop a sophomore film in and be like yep that's who he is we don't know that right. we don't know the answer to that because exactly he wasn't that guy this year right and had limited opportunities and things like that but he wasn't that guy now he's another full year removed because what are they what's the old thought process like you're always stronger the second year back from an acl than you are your first year well, this exactly. is going to be year two. So <clears throat> I think that's the reality with Jabron Payne is we don't know, but I do believe he has the versatility that if his number needs to be called, 
he's got the ability to help you out. And I, and I, Agreed. and I think he can do that. But again, we're talking about a situation where he's thrust onto the field because some stuff went down at some other places. And I hope it doesn't come to that. And that says nothing about Jabron. It's just, I, I really think to your point, Ryan, he, he could use a year to shake the rust off yep. and kind of get back into the group as a player. Absolutely. Especially running back, man. Running back can be that position where just repetition is so yeah, big. Your like, feel. It's a, there's exactly. a feel. Yeah. Yeah, to the vision and just understanding gap integrity and where to cut. And all those things are just like some people are obviously are naturals where, you know, you can step into a game and it's always there. But there are some people that need reps. They need to see it for the field vision to really come for him and for him to be confident in those cuts, right? Because, again, he's a guy that's coming off an injury. You have to not, – it's not only just seeing it. It's being able to – take it and, and and run with it literally you know so yeah I, I i i would i would like them to ease him into it because i think jabron Payne long term could be a really good football player at notre dame and i don't want them to force the issue too early if he's not ready if that makes sense agree here's another position where a really talented freshman class could have a chance to make an early impact ryan and that is tight end mm-hmm. now it's not a position where they need the tight ends to play necessarily but there's enough injury history there that says there's a chance. It wouldn't shock me if, A, the injury history makes it easier for the freshmen to beat people out, or, B, they're thrust on the field because of that. Look, with all due respect to Mitchell Evans, who did some nice things last year, he was forced onto the field, and he is way behind as a player, as a freshman, because he didn't play tight end, than what Holden Stace and Eli Raritan are. Sure. Now, obviously, Eli Raritan tore his ACL in December, but he's already setting records in 10-yard splits, apparently, um, you know, uh, in less than five months from his surgery. But, look, injury in December, surgery shortly after, he should be back, if not fall camp early in the season, and and then hold and stay. So when you look at Kevin Bauman's injury history, he's never been healthy at Notre Dame. And then he hurt his knee again. I've, I've been told he he uh, did something to his MCL in the spring game. I don't know the the sort of the degree to which he was injured. Obviously, Kane Barong's coming back from an ACL that he tore late in the season last year, I think October last year. And then Mitchell Evans is still evolving as a player. It they, Those guys better be ready. Those guys better be healthy. And they better have fall, good fall camps because – uh, Holden Stace and Eli Raritan are going to be very, very hard players to keep off the field. There's no question about it. And Holden Stace to me is a guy that kind of comes from the Michael Mayer school of tight end play, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, good body, six, four, you know, two thirty five, two forty, long arms can play attached, can play flexed out. You can occasionally put him outside, but he's more of a slot to attached wing type of thing. So similar, similar, usage to Michael Mayer. I'm not saying he's as good as Michael Mayer. I'm just saying like he's that style of player. Sure. Eli Raritan is more of the Tyler Eifert type of guy. Is that fair? Like a guy that yeah. you can put in the boundary, you can play out wide. He's more of a pass catcher first. Big slot boundary. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, it just tall, fast, you know, really good ball skills. I think Holden Stace, I would say is the better athlete, like lateral quickness and agility. And Eli is the more explosive vertical player, if you're going to compare the two. Both of them are athletic, but as far as who who, who kind of, to me, grades out higher, two very good players. And the thing I love about that tandem with Holden Stace is Eli Raritan is they are completely, like, complementary of each other. Like, they can both do all the things the other can, but they their they're top three strengths for Holden Stace are not the same as the top three strengths for Eli Raritan outside of catching. 
right? And, yeah. you know, when you look at style and athleticism type and body type and, you know, where they're used best, where they can do their most damage on the field are going to be different. And I think that's all for me, that's always an ideal situation when you're going to play two backs or two tight ends. I don't want two cookie cutters unless it's like, you know, fourth and inches at the goal line. And we just need somebody big guys to, you know, make room fine, put tackles in the game. Right. I mean, but when we're playing in our normal base offense, I, as a coach would want to be in a situation where I have complimentary players to tight end. Now they both got to be able to block. They both be able to catch the ball, but they're going to do it differently, which makes it, which allows me as an offensive coordinator to, to be a lot more creative with how I can attack you. And that's what I think Eli Raritan and Holden Stace bring to the table. Those two kids, Ryan, in my opinion, couldn't, could make life real and uncomfortable for all the tight ends on the roster, not named Michael Mayer. And I think, I think it's cool because I think that both of them, if they are ready to play and they are the second best tight end on the roster behind Michael Mayer, I think what Michael Mayer brings to you is because I agree. I mean, Michael Mayer definitely has that throwback style. You want to play him in line. He can do some age stuff, but he's also a guy that we've talked about. You flex out a W, you can put him as a big slot. Michael Mayer gives you a lot of versatility just in that sense. So I think that whether it's Holden Stays, who's at more of that, you know, Michael Mayer mold, or if it's a Eli Raritan, who's more of a big slot boundary type flexed out wide um, tight end. Both those guys can play with Michael Mayer because Michael Mayer could do so many things. So if you are out there and you're predicting a tight end to be the, you know, freshman tight end to be the surprise breakouts, you know, second tight end and, you know, contributor to this passing game, I, I think you could pick either guy because I think they could both mm-hmm. do it. I mean, yeah. obviously depending on Eli's injury, right? Like, wow, how right. strong is he coming back? But I think both of them can play with Michael yeah. Mayer in oh, a lot yeah. of different ways. Oh yeah, it, it, like because like I said Holden Stace comes from that school of of training, but again he do, he brings you blocking ability. He's a thicker body, but he also bring he's a you they didn't recruit him because he's a great blocker because he's not that yet. He's an effort blocker. He's a good blocker. He's gonna need more weight room time. They recruited him because this kid can make plays in the pass game, and his length is just ridiculous for a six four kid. When you watch some of the catches he makes in high school. He's got a tremendous catcher. I, I shouldn't say his length is ridiculous because I don't know if he's necessarily like freaky long like Bubakar Traore, but his catch radius is outstanding because that also includes beyond your length, the timing, your ability to stretch, your you know your ability to jump, all those kind of things. He's got really, really impressive catch radius, strong hands, and he's, and he's got some speed. He can run. He's a bigger-bodied kid, like I said, so he's not going to get pushed around as much as maybe – um, a lot of freshman tight ends more like Mitchell Evans was so skinny last year, but he, he battled, he competed. Holden Stace is already going to have 10 to 15 pounds on, on where Mitchell Evans was last year. So that those guys are going to need to be ready. Cause as you said, they can both comp them. And then if you're going to bring, you know, you have Eli Raritan, you can have Michael Mayer playing attached and Eli can, you know, do some different things, put him at W in a, in a certain matchup, see how the defense responds or whatever the case may be, put Mayer backside, put him in a trips look, put him, you know, put Mayer attached and put the, you know, put Eli out in a slot type of thing. You can do a lot of different things with him. And that's going to make it interesting. So, you know, I, I expect, I'm actually really encouraged to see what Kane Barron can do. And I think Mitchell Evans continues to develop as a player. And I'm not saying they're going to get beat out. This isn't a like, oh, the freshmen are here, the new shiny toys. That means the guys that we liked last year suck and are going to get beat out. No, I expect those guys to have a chance to play. It's just that if you don't bring your A game, you're going to get beat out. And that's the reality. Or if you get hurt again, you may not have a job when you get back. That's the reality of it. So that's where you want to be though, as a program. Like, Hey, if you don't, if you don't play well, if you don't bring it, if you're not locked in, that's fine. I got this kid over here that's ready to play. I mean, that's, 
that's the ultimate competition that Marcus Freeman talked about. Like, if you don't, if you don't want to be here today, if you don't want to bring it today, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Just go hang out over there and relax and stay out of the sun. And, and we're going to go out here and put this kid out here once play. Who's right. really good. And, and that's ultimately, like I said, Ryan, where you want to be. That's, that's why depth is so important and not that's just right. depth from numbers, but impact depth, talent depth, yeah. because you're protected against injury and it it makes sure that if the guys that are playing, if you do it correctly, and this is where we're going to learn a lot about Marcus Freeman, because there were times in the past where Notre Dame had depth, but it didn't matter because Brian Kelly was never going to allow the younger players to really truly push the veterans, and everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case with Marcus Freeman. I don't, especially oh, when you've got a brand new coaching staff, because like you know, for Chancey Stuck, it's like, hey, you know, I'm a returning starter. Not for me, you're not. Right. You're not your name's not Taekwon, you know, Thornton. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 who my returning starters were. That's who my starters were last year. I'm starting over. And if you're Dylan McCullough, like, well, hey, I was a, I was I'm the leading returning ball carrier. Not for me or not. For me, you got zero carries, just like everybody else. And that's where you know you you've got to be careful. Same tight ends. We got a new you got a two new tight ends coach. Michael Mayer's the guy because he's just that much better than everybody else. But that number two spot is basically like a starting caliber role, Ryan. And mm-hmm. there's going to be a fierce battle for that. And as long as Coach Freeman sticks to what he says, which is we're going to play the best players and and we're going to allow competition, then it should create some fierce situations, which is going to make whoever's on the field on Saturdays better. Because yeah. you had to earn it. If you're out there, you had to earn it. And that's where you need to be. And that's how a guy like Jaleel Billingsley can go from being a you know a difference maker in 2020 to riding a pine in 2022. Right, that's, you want to bring it? That's cool. That's so weird. That was the example I was going to give because I said rec- I was literally going to say recruiting matters. Look at Jalil Billingsley going in as a potential top fifty yeah. pick, all American, and then Cameron. They're like, oh, Cameron Latu, you're, you're good, brother. Go ahead. Right, you got it. So yeah, right. I'm with what, you on what that was one. Part of the issue there was Jalil Billingsley didn't want to. He didn't want to put in the work. There was some maturity the issues there. Yeah, yeah. Thought that I thought that he should just you know be thrust out there. And Nick Saban's like, dude, I didn't win six national titles by just throwing dudes out there because what they did for me last year, you got to earn it. Every year is an opportunity for you to earn it. Exactly. And, and he got passed up. I mean, he just flat out got passed up and the same thing will happen to guys that aren't coming back. If, if, if you run your program, right now, like I said, if a guy does want to be out there, you find somebody else who can, and they were just fine. And, and I too was a good football player for, for Alabama. He, he was a bit, and he's going to be a good player for them this year yep. too. Yeah. He's a really yep. good football player. And I mean, I'm always interested to see what Notre Dame does at tight end just in general because I know we're not looking forward, right? But right now, the assumption is Michael Mayer's out after this year, right? Sure. So who's the next sure. guy? Who's right. the next guy? Because I, I just tweeted out a graphic. Notre Dame has the most tight ends drafted in the last 10 years, seven tight ends drafted in the last 10 years. They are tight end you. They right. produce some – That doesn't well include Brock Wright, who started <laughs> games in the NFL last year but went undrafted. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, that position is just one of those where you can count on a dude being at Notre Dame, yeah. right? Like those, there's always going to be a dude in the pipeline. So who's going to be the next dude? Is it going to be Mitchell right. Evans? Is it going to be Bowman coming back from his injury? Is it going to be one of these right. two freshman tight ends? I'm excited to see it. It's going to be an interesting, yeah. interesting competition in yep. the fall. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's two positions I want to talk about on defense, Ryan. The first is corner. Now, I don't think there's necessarily a need at cornerback for the freshman to play from a number standpoint. Notre Dame's numbers at corner are better than I think people realize. Notre Dame doesn't have a numbers problem at cornerback. You've got Cam Hart. You've got Clarence Lewis. You have the three freshmen coming back from last year. That's five guys, right? That's five guys that that are, are good football players, you know, I would say of – Four of them, to me, I graded out as four-star players. Well, three of them. I didn't grade Clarence Lewis out as a four-star player. I did give him a four-star upside grade, but he was not. He was a three-and-a-half-star guy, top three to 350 kind of guy. Ch- uh, I've said this before. Chance Tucker was my lowest-ranked guy. Notre Dame beat Washington for him. Jimmy Jimmy Lake, he, he's not a very good head coach. I think he was a great defensive coordinator. I got to know how to evaluate, recruit, and coach DBs, and he wanted Chance Tucker, right? So that 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 that's why I always kind of have this like that kid may make me look dumb someday kind of thought with chance. Now he's got to stay healthy and and you know he got said I think it was he ended up just being like cramps, but he ended up you know it was came out from the the spring game a little bit and I was like oh boy I hope he's not hurting. The when you started working on him it looked like cramps, but and he's gonna have a chance to continue competing. He battles. He's long. He's he's he supposedly can really run. You know Philip Riley is a strong kid. Obviously Ryan Barnes everybody's aware of, but where I do think that there's an opportunity is do you really have impact players after Cam Hart right now? The answer is no, you know, Clarence Lewis is solid and steady for the most part, but he, he gets into matchups against better athletes and he's, he gets into trouble. Saw it against Cincinnati last year. saw it against Wisconsin last year. Fortunately for Notre Dame against Wisconsin, their quarterback couldn't complete a pass pass beyond 10 yards because if they, if he could, Wisconsin scores a little bit more against Notre Dame last year because of that matchup. We saw Cincinnati take advantage of it. We saw North Carolina take advantage of it. We saw, obviously, Oklahoma State took big advantage of it. So I believe that there is an opportunity for a corner to, for guys to come and play. And I think corner is one of those positions where experience is nice, but it's not as important as it is at other positions. If a guy can play, he can play. And right. especially if you're a def- if you're a team that's going to play a lot of man coverage, and I don't know if Notre Dame's going to play it as much as they did last year, but when I look at Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison, I, I look and I say, it's not that I don't think those other kids are good players. It's just that they were much better, right? Other than Ryan Barnes. Ryan Barnes is the only corner in the so- current rising sophomore class that I had on a similar par as Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison. But I've also said that Benjamin Morrison's the highest ranked cornerback that, in, for me that Notre Dame has signed in, in many years. I mean, you'd have to go back to like T. Shepard in 2012 to, to find a cornerback, you know, and and Kavari Russell in the 2012 class. That, you know, even he grades out higher than, than Troy Pride, who was my number one ranked corner in that 2016 class. He grades out higher than Cole Luke in 2013, who played some as a freshman. He grades out higher than Nick Watkins in 2014. He's the highest, he's the highest graded corner for me since Kavari Russell and and T. Shepard in 2012. And obviously Kavari played as a freshman. So, you know, six foot. Long arms, strong. Dad played in the National Football League, played safety at Arizona, 
And he's a guy that Notre Dame beat Washington and Alabama for. Alabama doesn't just go out to Phoenix, Arizona, just to recruit anybody, right? They went out to Arizona to recruit a corner. And Jimmy Lake wanted this kid bad. Trust me, Washington tried hard to get Benjamin Morrison. So he's an extremely talented kid. And we've already seen what Jaden Mickey can do. I mean, he's already proven that Jaden Mickey's ready, already shown he's ready to play right now. Like there's some things he's got to work out. He's a little too aggressive at times, and that could get yeah. you in trouble, mm-hmm. especially against a team like Ohio State that likes to do the double moves and the pump and goes and the slant and goes and things like that. And the, the post, you know, the post snap, you know, switch routes, things like that. That could get you in trouble. So he's yeah. got to become a little bit more like, okay, we got to get you a little more disciplined. But athleticism, physicality, instincts, confidence, all that is he's ready. He's ready to play now. Yeah. And then when Benjamin Morrison shows up, I'm hoping he shows up with the same attitude that Jaden Mickey showed up with because talent-wise, I don't know if outside of Cam Hart there's a more talented corner on the roster than, in my opinion, Benjamin Morrison. And so it's going to be up to Mike Mickens to kind of have the same mentality that the other coaches did. Like, just because they're fresh and you got other players, you better coach those guys up like you're getting them ready to play because that's where your your biggest – amount of talent it, it can it, pers- it persists is right there in that freshman corner class Jaden mickey i mean his confidence just like it it seeps man like it doesn't exude it seeps off to everyone like everyone just i mean he's talking trash to wide receivers on his own team right and he's getting up in guys faces that are much older than him and have played a lot more football than him and it just doesn't back down from anyone i love that type of attitude in the corner. Cause like you said, I mean, at the end of it, like technique obviously is very important for any position, cornerback included, but that competitiveness can get you past some of those shortcomings early on. The only thing that, and you mentioned it briefly, Jaden Mickey, if everything, if I can guarantee everything is a short route where he's going to have to just come up and close and break up some passes and do all that type of stuff. I'd be like, yes, Jaden. Yeah. But then there's going to be some times where, a double move happens where you're just like just a little too antsy, man. Mm-hmm. Just a little tiny bit where you just put yourself in a bad position. But he has all the talent. There's no doubt about yeah. it. I'm excited to see Benjamin Morrison, like you said, because Washington, Jimmy Lake does not just go after anybody at corner. He recruits some dudes at that position. There's no doubt about it historically. So, I mean, length, athleticism. And they and just have two guys to- go in the first 50 picks of the draft. Crazy man, it was Crazy. four and eight and last year, and they had two corners going on the top. I, di- didn't the other kid go in the top fifty? I could be wrong on that, but he definitely was, was a that, second round pick. Kyle, Kyle, I think Kyle Gordon went like fifty seven, but okay. either way, you're you're good enough. I think it was like fifty seven. Yeah, like I, I know he was a second round pick. I just yes, the I Bears drafted him. I thought it was like fifty seven. You could, could be right. Wrong. You're you're you would know better than I would. He was no thirty ninth. Right. Oh, I'm way off then. Yeesh, eighteen picks off. It's pretty good. Hey, thank you. You're just trying to make me look good on my birthday. I appreciate that. I know. I knew yes. you knew. I know you yes. knew. Uh, well, but I mean, point the, being, that was a crap team. But the one thing they could do is produce yeah. DBs. And if you go through their history, you know, Elijah Molden was a third round pick the year before. Keith Taylor mm-hmm. was a fifth round pick the year before. So the last two years, they've produced four DBs in the NFL draft. Then two years before that, you had Byron Murphy go in the second round. Taylor player. Rapp went in the second round. Solid Jordan player. Miller went in the fifth round. Didn't he have an injury that also knocked him down a little bit? Yeah, I don't uh, know. I you much you had another DB, uh, Kevin King, Buda Baker. Sidney Jones is the kid that had the injury. Oh, yeah, he and had the Achilles. still went in the second round. He had three. Yeah. So since 2017, Jimmy Lake, who's been at Washington for a minute, has produced one, two, three, four, five six, seven, seven DBs that have gone in the first two rounds 
since mm-hmm. 2017. So if Jimmy Lake says, I want that dude bad, yeah, mm-hmm. you, 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 you <laughs> take notice of that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yep. that, that tells me, that tells me something. That tells yeah. me something. And I, they offered, I believe they offered Jade Mickey, but he committed so early that it like Notre Dame got on him early. And it was a no, once Notre Dame got on Jade Mickey, it was a no brainer. Well, Notre Dame wanted uh, Kyler Gordon pretty bad too. Bad. Right? Like bad. Mike Elko yeah. wanted him real bad, real yeah. bad. So, um, it, it, yeah, you're you're correct. He may not be a very good football coach from a head coaching standpoint. Some guys just aren't, but you cannot doubt that part of it. And so oh, that's why I say TVs. that's yeah. right, that's right. So uh, this is a heck of a one-two punch, Ryan. And you you got to coach them up. You got to get them ready. That's the thing is you got to get them ready. And this is a, this is why I say it's a huge year for Mike Mickens, who I think extremely highly of, highly of as a coach, mm-hmm. but. This is kind of that show me year, right? Where I think you've done a good job your first two years, you know, getting Nick McLeod ready to go in 2020 and, and getting Tariq Bracey mentally back on track this past season where he was a solid player for you after you had to bake see Benjamin because he lost his confidence. You know, getting Clarence Lewis to play to the level he has his first two years is an impressive coaching thing for me. And then, yeah. of course, you take a converted wide receiver like Cam Hart and you turn him into a guy that people are talking about being a, you know, day two NFL draft pick next year, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think he's done a good job so far, but this year he's got to show me he can coach young guys up a little bit more effectively. You know, like I was a little disappointed none of the young guys played last year. And mm-hmm. and I hope that, that he can get Ryan Barnes ready to go. I hope that they can get Jaden Mickey and, and Benjamin Morrison ready to go because if those guys force their way into the field, my concerns about cornerback are gone. Right. They're going to make freshman mistakes, Ryan, but if they force their way into the field, I'm not nearly as concerned about cornerback as I was before. And, and and long term, you like it too because they're Mickey and Morrison are just very different football players. You know, like you can see Mickey playing to the field, Morrison into the boundary. I mean, I could see Mickey playing a little bit in the nickel with how scrappy he plays. Yeah. I think there's a lot of possibilities for that yeah. combination. Yeah. And you know, so so that's corner. There's another defensive position where I think we're going to see freshmen make an impact, but it's not just on defense. And that's linebacker. I think there's guys that will have a chance to make an impact at, at linebacker this year. I think junior two Alamaka would I, I'll say this. Will I, I will not be shocked if at some point in time during the 2022 season, junior two Alamaka starts at middle linebacker for Notre Dame. I will not be shocked. I'm not predicting it, but with, with Bo Bowers inconsistency and JD Bertrand's injury history, it, he, that, that, that won't shock me at all at, at all. And he looked he looked good in the spring game, but again, I don't care as much about that. I care what I care about is the fact that we were being told for the whole second half of spring practice, Junior Two Almaka is impressive. That him and him and Jaden Mickey were the guys that everybody that I talked to that went to a practice, and it was different practices or associate program. Those are the two freshmen that always got talked about on defense. Like, man, that kid's really good. You know, I had a, a friend of mine call me and say he was talking to a former Notre Dame player that was at practice, and he was like, he didn't ask him about freshmen. He was just talking on defense, period, that Jaden Mickey and Junior 2 Alamaka were the two guys that he just kept noticing over and over and over again. He's like, who's this 44 kid? You know, and 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 it's like, yeah, it's Junior 2. He's a freshman. It's like, wow, this kid can really play. Mm-hmm. So I, he's going to play this year. I would be shocked if he doesn't. The question is, is can you keep him out of the starting lineup? I think that's the bigger question. I think that's more of a question than will he play, in my opinion. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, he's just such a cerebral kid, right? Like, it just seems like he's in the right spot at all the times, which is important. I mean, 
talk about the transition to linebacker. I'm one of the harshest critic at line on linebackers just in general, because I am such a stickler on eyes and, and gap integrity and, and just disciplining your run fits. And he was disciplined, man. And he has been there. And I think he's, I think it's lost in shuffle. I think people think he's a bad athlete. I think he's a good athlete. I, I don't yeah. think he's exceptional, but I think he's, he's not. Good, good. He's not. It's compared to, if you look at him compared to what they also signed, sure. no, he's not Jalen Seed. He's Fair. not Josh Burnham. He's not Nolan Ziegler. Right. But, but those guys are athlete. exceptional athletes, right. like exceptional athletes. He is a good athlete when you look at the fact he's 240 pounds. Exactly. Right. Anywhere, any, anywhere is number 44, which is just fantastic, man. Just if aesthetically you, pleasing. There's got, if there's got to be like some kind of test that if you are a <laughs> linebacker, you got to pass a, like a bad dude test. Like, you know, you got to be a bad dude on the football field. Like, I'm sorry. Like you, we're going to have to revoke that 44 privileges from you. If you're not a dude. That's what I'm saying. So yes, junior, junior can play. He, he just needs play. the butterfly extender, yeah, forty four, and he'll be he'll be yeah. working it. Well, you know what he's go. switching to after the 2022 season, right? What's he's going to probably switch back to five. Oh, because that that's what he played yeah. in high school, mm-hmm. right? And I I guarantee I know why. It's not a coincidence. In the last ten years, you've seen a bunch of middle linebackers around the country in high school wearing number five, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the impact that Jalen that Manti uh, Teo had. Manti, so yeah. Uh, obviously that's going to be there, but the point is this is a kid that's going to help you this year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know the impact Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler are going to have on defense. I don't. And obviously Josh Burnham moved to positions. He moved to Viper. I, I think in some capacity, we're going to see either Burnham or Gobira play as a, as a situational edge rusher at times with the hope that they redshirt most likely Tyson Ford, I think can help this football team play. His is more about injury. Let's see him, you know, how, you know, get him back healthy. I think those guys can play. I think they can help Notre Dame. But I think the two kids that flat out, I feel confident, are going to play a ton of football this year. It just may not be on defense. Is yeah. Jalen Steed and Nolan Ziegler? Because I, I, I'll be shocked if those two kids aren't playing on a bunch of special teams this year. They're just too long and too athletic, and they're not redshirt guys. Maybe Nolan is a redshirt guy, maybe. But I, I feel like that's just because he loves Notre Dame. I have a hard time being convinced that when you're putting these teams together on special teams, that 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 kid with his size and speed and desire Length. is yeah. yeah. It's like I have a hard time saying like you're you're really going to have eleven guys better than him on the kickoff team. Like I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. So I think those two kids are going to play a bunch of special teams this year. Now maybe they get a shot on defense. Maybe they don't. Yeah, but that's okay because to me, I view if if you're a starter on special teams, you're a starter. Right. True. I mean, there's whole like you need to get your starters on special team. That's only if they're the best guy for that job. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if, if another just because, you know, J.D. Burnham is a, you know, or Bertrand is a, a better player right now at linebacker than Jalen Sneed doesn't mean that he's necessarily a better kick coverage guy or Nolan right. Ziegler doesn't mean he's a better kick coverage guy. So this notion that you got to get your starters on special teams is only true if those starters are the best guys for that job. Right. I have a feeling those two kids are going to find their way out of the field this year, Ryan. Right. I mean, because because usually guys that are starting are your longest, most athletic players, right? But if there are instances where there are longer, more athletic type of guys, it makes total sense. Like, you're going to get them on the field. I, Tyson Ford is an interesting one, though, Brian. I know you mentioned, obviously, the injury. I, I would have been really interested to see. I mean, and again, maybe he comes back and this is, you know, a talking point. He's one guy that I kind of look at and I say – 
maybe you can give us something as an interior pass yeah. rusher early on in yeah. your career. You know what I mean? Like on yeah. th- obvious passing situations, throw you inside and let yeah. you work against it in the three tech against the offensive guard. He's got a lot of Riley Mills to him, Ryan. I think that's, that's to your, to your point. I mean, I, I feel the same way about Riley. Like I, I view Riley as an edge player, uh, but I think Riley also is a guy that on third and five, third and six needs to, be inside and rush right up the middle and put, uh, you know, Justin Adamiola on the edge or in future years, you know, Keon Keeley and guy, you know, Aiden Gobira, Josh Burnham's put those guys on the edge on th- on your nickel package. And I see Tyson Ford being the same way. I think Tyson Ford can play big end. I do. Uh, I don't think he's, oh, let's just move him inside. He may end up moving inside, but I think he can play big end. But to your point, big ends, if Notre Dame's recruiting right, are going to be interior pass rushers in, in, in your nickel packages, right? Most More often than not. So I I absolutely think he could be that kind of player. There's no doubt. I think he could help. And look, in, in, in past years, we're going to talk about Aiden Gobire is going to play as a freshman, right? I mean, Josh Burnham's going to play as a freshman. But with with Isaiah Foskey, with Justin Adamiola, with the potential of moving, uh, you know, Josh Burnham there as well, you don't really have that need. And and we're going to talk about this quickly, very quickly. There's another kid that's going to play as a freshman too. And it's oh, yeah. Bryce McPherson. <laughs> He's going to be Notre Dame starting punter this year. There's, I don't see any doubt in that. Now, now well, John Sott, the kid from Harvard, is going to show up. Uh, mm-hmm. He could have a chance. But I think between between punting and or kickoffs, I think that Bryce McPherson is going to be a starter. That's kind. Of, that's what I meant to say. Is He's going to be starting in some capacity, I believe, this year. I have little doubt about that. Either yep. as a kickoff guy, because that might have been even worse than the punting in the spring game was the kickoffs, but yeah. either as the kickoff guy or the punter, cause John Sott's a really steady punter from Harvard. He was been like multiple, all, all uh, Ivy league kind of guy, that kind mm-hmm. of player. So uh, he's a guy that I could see being in that capacity as well. There's no doubt. And of course, when my mom, when my mom steps up and puts in the super <laughs> chat, I, uh, I have to get that in there. So yeah, Ryan, we're going to slide into the Q and a now I got to, I got an interview with Mark Rogers uh, on the Ohio State site right now. They they want to bring me into enemy territory, so I've got to slide over and do that. If you're still around in the next 20, 30 minutes, I'll be back. But Ryan is going to handle the Q&A. Uh, so fire away with your team questions, with your recruiting questions, whatever you guys want. Um, and thank you all so, so very much for the birthday wishes. I really, really appreciate it. You guys and gals are absolutely the best. It's uh, It really is a tremendous community. I wasn't planning on telling anybody it's my birthday today, and I wake up this morning, and there's a happy birthday post already going on <laughs> site. So I appreciate y'all very, 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 very much.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.